Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Anthony Pagnotta with you guys as always and the NFL draft is officially upon us so we welcomed in a special guest on the phones earlier this afternoon Russell Brown from cover1.net also does some stuff for Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM as well as uh, some stuff that he's done with ESPN so make sure that you guys uh, go and check all that stuff out but he was on with us earlier today to talk about the Tar Heel prospects that could be going off the board here in day two of the draft tonight and day three of the draft tomorrow and we started by asking him about the guy that most people probably think will be the first one off the board which will be Javante Williams. He's got tremendous contact balance. He's 5'10", 220. He's got the lower body flexibility to change direction with ease. And I thought I thought we were going to see him last night. It would have surprised me if he was the first back off the board. But uh, the way he wins in the short areas of the field with his vision, his overall strength, his aggressiveness, I mean, he will run through guys. And you love seeing that. So the physical runner that he is is, is awesome to see, whether it's you know between the tackles or in the open field. Now, you know, he lacks the long speed. He's not going to win anybody over there. He's not going to win the foot race, but he has the play speed, and that's what matters. So I I love him as a three-down back. I like him over Michael Carter. Um, He's my 24th-ranked player, my second-ranked running back. I think early here, second round, maybe Atlanta, that would be a great fit for him. I I think if, if they consider a running back, which they probably should, and I think with you know, Arthur Smith, that would make a ton of sense for him to maybe be the 35th pick of the draft. Maybe he goes 34th overall to the Jets um, or even 36th to Miami. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes, but I don't think he'll be waiting around for long. 
Yeah, no, I, I really like that fit in Atlanta as well. I definitely think that would be a great landing spot for him. You know, another guy that I think we're going to see probably, I, I don't know about early in the second round, but I, I would be pretty shocked if he gets out of the second round is Deami Brown. You know, we've seen him sort of start to climb some of these draft uh, boards, especially over the last couple of weeks. What do you think is behind that climb? And ultimately, what kind of fit do you think that he's going to be in an NFL offense? Well, I, I think he, he's been climbing up boards because of some of the uncertainty with some other receivers in this draft. You, you look at Terrace Marshall, the, the leg injury that he suffered in high school, uh, the, the medical recheck came and it looked like, you know, maybe he's not fully recovered or he's having some of the side effects that you have with these type of lower body injuries, especially at a young age. So he's pushed into the second round himself. And I think when you look at maybe a safer pick, Diami Brown is that guy. So, um, I think he's, you know, the 45th ranked player in this for me. He's my technically my eighth ranked receiver, but I love his skill set. One of my favorite players in this draft, and I'll be honest, a lot of my favorite players in this draft come from North Carolina. Um, but yeah, you know, he's a former four-star recruit. Um, played, you know, played 24 or started 24 straight games now, and uh, you know, consecutive seasons for a thousand yards. And I, I just love the way he releases off the line of scrimmage. He does it so easily and efficiently, and maybe not as good as Rashad Bateman does, but somewhat in a, in a lighter version and in a similar way. But he wins vertically off the field. I love the way he can attack the middle of the field, and then I love the way he can hit those double moves and, again, get vertical up the field. So there's times when I watch him and I see shades of a, a Stephon Diggs, and it wouldn't surprise me if he went somewhere in the second round in a similar range of where Stephon Diggs went a few years ago when he came out in that 40 range. Um, and, and maybe Detroit at 41 makes a lot of sense. Maybe a team like, you know, maybe New England at 46 or, or even Las Vegas or Arizona could potentially look at a player like him just because they want to surround another receiver or weapon into their offense. But I love his skill set. Um, I, I think he's going to be – probably the second Tar Heel off the board. He might even be the first Tar Heel off the board. Maybe the Jets like him. Again, maybe maybe Philadelphia d- double down and, and they go receiver again, so maybe they consider him at 37. But, uh, yeah, I love Brown, and I think, you know, like I said, he's the eighth-ranked receiver on my board, but he's, he's a little bit safer. You don't have to worry about the injuries like some of the other guys I mentioned, like Marshall, Ron Delmore as well. So, I think that just the, the safe pick and, and the overall upside to his game, if you can get him in the right spot, I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, a couple of really good landing spots that you mentioned there for sure with some good young quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, you know, when you move on to Michael Carter, he's a guy that I, I think is, you know, if somebody really falls in love with him, maybe he sneaks into that second round. But it seems like he'll probably be – in that third round, it's, it, it looks like his, his stock has kind of plateaued after that senior bowl jump. But when you look at him, do you think that he's a guy that, you know, will probably have to be in, you know, a rotation or something early on? But do you think he's a guy that could develop into a lead back or someone down the line? I don't know if he could be a lead back um, consistently throughout the course of his career. I mean, again, he could prove me wrong. He could be that player. Um, and I hope he is because I always I'm never going to root against a guy. But listed at five nine, two hundred pounds, I think he runs a little bit too far outside at times. He tries to bounce those runs, but again, fluid. He's flexible. We we, we talk about Williams with his flexible lower body. Carter has it as well, and it allows him to change direction with ease. And he shows great burst off his, his jump cut when he gets upfield. So 
Um, I love the the way he runs so hard between the tackles, and I think he's got a really good wiggle in, open, in the open field. So he's going to make defenders miss at times. So I think he'll end up going in the second round. I think he'll surprise a couple of people tonight. And as I look at some teams like, you know, potentially – uh, Miami at 50, maybe Javante Williams is gone when they're on the clock at 36. So when they get to pick 50 in the second round, maybe they consider him. Um, you maybe consider a team like Buffalo at 61, maybe Tampa Bay at 64. So there's going to definitely be some options for him in this draft to, to go in this second round range. Um, but yeah, you know, compared to some of the other backs, he, he was definitely like the clear cut number four back for me. Um, and I, I think there's a kind of a, a, a gap between the top three backs and then there's Michael Carter and then there's a gap between Michael Carter and the backs, you know, five ten on, on my ranking system. So um, he's kind of in his own tier and I think he's a great day two pick. Again, I, I don't know if he necessarily becomes a true number one back. You know, I don't know if he's going to be Saquon Barkley, but I think if you, you needed him in a pinch and he, he needed to play a little bit, um, with 20-plus carries in a game, I think he can do it. I don't know if he'll do it all the time. I would definitely want to get a compliment to him. Um, and and I, I think a team like maybe even Arizona at 49, they've got James Conner, they've got Chase Edmonds. Michael Carter would make a lot of sense to kind of tie into that offense. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that that would be a, a really solid fit for him yeah. uh, as well. Um, give him, you know, a little bit of time to grow in the system. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think those – Again, pretty good landing spots. I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing. Now, this one is going to be interesting. I think this is a guy that you've got to find the right fit for. The only defensive prospect that the Toriels have, and it's Chad Surratt. He's a guy that has sort of – his stock, I'm not going to say he's, he's falling because it doesn't seem like he's, he's really falling. He's being passed over, I think, by guys. But it looks like he's going to be on the fringe of being picked tonight on day two or go into day three. When you look at what he brings to the table, is there maybe a certain team that sticks out that he fits well with, or is he just going to be, have to be a guy that somebody's going to take a risk on and see if he fits their system? He could be a player that we see tonight. I mean, again, we've got picks 33 through 106, so there's a lot of drafting tonight. That's a good range for him. I mean, I, I would probably say between probably like picks 80 all the way to 106. I, I mean, I'm giving you pretty much a 26-team range there, but uh, there, there's a chance with him. The, the biggest question mark is just, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience playing the linebacker position. Remember in high school he was a quarterback. Um, and, and he, he moves over to the defensive side of the football. Now, granted, he's been incredibly productive. He gets after it, and of the way, he just is always competing. He's always getting after it. Now, I don't necessarily know if I would want him dropping in coverage all the time because there's definitely times that he's second-guessing, and I think that's okay because you can teach that, you can figure that out, but I think he also understands the coverages that his defense is in. He's a smart player, again, former quarterback, so he understands the offenses that he's playing against, but he also understands the defense that he's in and his role and the responsibilities of the guys around him. So I think in this third-round range, there's a chance he goes. It wouldn't surprise me if we talk more about him tomorrow. Um, and I don't want to say he's going to be a steal, but I think with the size, the athletic ability, there's a lot to work with. And when you get beyond kind of that first tier of linebackers, second tier of linebackers, like guys like Baron Browning, once you get beyond that, I think you get into a player like Surratt here. And at 6'2", 230, 
might be listed as somewhat undersized for some people, but I think he can play in that overhang role. I think he can, again, play in that box role a little bit. He's going to attack upfield. He's just got to become a little bit more consistent with his angles, more consistent in, in space a little bit, and a little bit more consistent as a tackler. But I love the aggressiveness, and he gets after it. So um, we'll see where he goes tonight if, if he does go. There's, there's a lot of fits. I mean, the Jets at 87 – uh, maybe Cleveland at 90 or 92. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe even a team like Detroit at 102, if they consider a player like him. So he's going to have some landing spots. It's just what kind of run happens. And is there a linebacker run here maybe in the second round that a team that didn't get a linebacker in the second round would go ahead and roll the dice with him in the third round? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think that uh, there's a couple of, of good fits for him. Uh, I think it's just, you know, he, he's going to have to come in. Like you said, I think he's a better coverage guy than some of the people were giving him credit for in the pre-draft process, and I think they'll, they'll see that, but he hasn't really had to do that much. Um, but he is a real – I mean, for a guy that's as small as he is, he's got the strength, and, and, and he's just a phenomenal blitz guy that you can use in so many different ways to try to catch – some of these offenses off balance. So, you know, when you look at the last guy, it's Daz Newsom, and, and, you know, he's another guy where, you know, the production is there for him, um, but he just, you know, I, I think it's because he plays a slot, which we've seen over the last couple of years, slot guys definitely fall um, in terms of, you know, the draft, you know, people get infatuated with the guys that they can put on the outside. But you look at the production at Carolina, he had a lot of success. He's a guy that can help you on special teams. He's more than likely going to be a day three pick. But when you look at Dan Newsom, what do you think he brings to the table for a team that may be questioning on, on you know, taking him someday, sometime on day three? Well, I, I, I hate to – I don't want to throw shade or anything at it, but I, I was not his biggest fan. I know there were some people that absolutely loved him. I didn't, I didn't necessarily love him, but – he is impressive when you watch the tape just for the simple fact of how shifty he is in the open field. He can create yards easily after the catch. Um, but the biggest concern is just the drops, and he might just be a vertical threat. So I compared him to John Brown, um, and that was before the pro day and everything else like that. I thought their play styles were similar. And, again, Daz Newsome, and I'm talking younger John Brown, pushing it vertically up the field because that's really what John Brown was in Arizona, just a deep threat. And that's what I think Daz could be maybe for a team like Arizona. And maybe that's where he ends up going. But he didn't test great at the pro day. I mean, uh, a four five nine forty for a player like that is just, you know, I hate bringing in 40 times, but you hate seeing it. Everything that he did was just b below the, the percentile that you would be a part of. And, you know, the, the vertical jump of 34 inches isn't bad. But the three-cone drill of 739 is, is not great by any means. You, you want to see that be under seven seconds, especially for a wide receiver, because if it is, that means you're talking hit fluidity. This guy can get in and out of his breaks. And like I said, if he's just a vertical threat, then, you know, it might cause him just to be that. So, um, again, no, I like Daz. He's just got to catch the football. I think he's probably going to go in that fifth-round range. Again, we'll see. He could go a little bit sooner, and maybe a team falls in love with them. But there's definitely teams that could utilize him, especially in the early portion of the fifth round. Carolina, Detroit, uh, again, the Jets are picking at 155. So there's a couple of teams there that could be really interested in getting a, a wide receiver like Daz Newsom to be a complimentary piece to maybe receivers one, two, or three in their offense. 
Um, it's just really a matter of time. So can he develop into more? Absolutely. It might take two to three years, but that's why we're talking about him on day three. He's an intriguing player. I like him. Uh, and again, remember, he was recruited to play cornerback. So he's still relatively new to figuring out the nuances of playing wide receiver. So once, once he figures it out, he could be great. Um, but it's just one of those things where you'll need time, and some, some organizations don't always have that time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's going to probably be on that day three and, and probably somewhere in that fifth round. Yeah, I think if he gets the drops cleaned up, I think he, he definitely, because of what you talked about with the shiftiness in the open field, and, look, it's definitely valued when you can help a team on special teams, and we saw yeah. that throughout his career. So I, I think day three will probably be where he'll be at. Well, hey, Russell, thanks for stopping by with us, man. Uh, tell everyone where they can check out the coverage here as they go uh, throughout the weekend and, uh, you know, where you'll have that free draft guide for them next year whenever that time rolls around. Yeah, so, I mean, the best place to find me is on Twitter, at Russ NFL Draft. That's where I pin my draft guide when I release it. And this year, that's exactly what I did. So if you find me on there, smash the follow button and just scroll down a little bit. You'll see it pinned to the profile. Uh, of course, you can see all my written content and video audio content over at CoverOne.net. Um, you can find me tonight on Sirius XM Radio with the Magdog Sports Radio with Patrick Meager and and the, the rap uh, the rap radio and all that stuff um, for his show. And we're going to be doing some live NFL draft coverage for uh, tonight. So be sure to tune in. And uh, outside of that, I mean, it's, it's pretty much uh, Twitter at Russ on hell draft. All right. Hey man, I'll definitely be listening to you on Sirius XM. Hopefully you'll be talking about some of the guys that we just talked about on here, hearing their names called. And uh, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, definitely be talking to you down the line, man. Uh, great stuff talking to you. Uh, we're going to have to probably be talking to you next year about Sam Howell at some point. He'll probably be <laughs> talking before day two. We'll be talking on day before day one to make sure that we get some talking about him. So we look forward to it. Thanks for stopping by with us, man. Uh, take care and, and keep up the great work, brother. So we want to thank Russell Brown for stopping by with us. Make sure that you guys go check out all of his great content on his Twitter page at Russ NFL Draft on uh, Twitter. And, of course, tune in to that special show that they're doing tonight on Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM. Uh, that should be a fun one there to break down the NFL draft. So that wraps it up for this edition of the uh, Heel Tough Blog podcast. Again, guys, head over to the website, as we always tell you, uh, HeelToughBlog.com. We've got some stuff that's going to be going up about these guys as they get drafted, their fits in their new location. And then uh, there's some great stuff also that we'll be doing here as we have wrapped up spring camp. Now we're heading into the summer, but there's still some great articles that we'll be putting out. There'll, of course, be some news on the recruiting trail that we'll be following throughout the summer. As, uh, again, most of you guys know, the recruiting dead period has been lifted as of June. Uh, that'll be when uh, guys will be able to go back on campus, take official visits. Laudatorial prospects already sort of lining those visits up. Some have already set them in stone, including some really big targets, such as 2022 four-star safety Jake Pope, who will be on campus later on this year. Uh, or later on this summer, I should say. And then uh, 2024 four-star tight end, uh, Keaton... Uh, 2022 four-star 
Jake Pope, and many other major targets. So make sure that you guys are checking out the website for all of that. Also on the website, we've had you covered through everything that has gone on with the Tar Heel basketball program since the end of the season as they've made the transition from Roy Williams to Hubert Davis. They've went through some of their uh, you know ups and downs through the transfer portal. We've had you covered on all those fronts. Josh Marlowe has done a great job on that front of keeping you guys up to date on everything that is going on around Tar Heel basketball, and that's all on the website. As for the podcast, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get all of the latest additions in your podcast player. That's what happens when you hit that subscribe button. Uh, rating and reviewing, we would really appreciate that. That would help us to continue to move up some of those rankings when it comes to the ranking of the Tar Heel podcast. That will allow people who search Tar Heel podcast, uh, anything like that, in any of these major Tar Heel uh, or any, any major podcasting areas, I should say, to track down the podcast and listen to some great additions that we're going to have for you over the next couple of weeks and months as we take you throughout the rest of the offseason. So uh, also make sure you check out the uh, sister podcast, which covers the basketball team. No longer the Roy's Boys podcast. It is instead the Four Corners podcast. So make sure that you guys check that out. Uh, since the rebranding uh, uh, of the name after Roy Williams, of course, uh, retired, it has gone very, very smoothly. Um, we have you guys to thank for that. So thank you guys so much for all of that. Um, you know, helping us, uh, you know, through that transition into uh, the new name of the podcast. But you guys have stuck along with us. We've even added some people along the way, it seems. So really, really excited uh, for that, uh, for the Four Corners podcast going forward. Uh, and again, you can find that on all your major uh, podcast platforms, just like where you can find this edition of the podcast and the Heel Tough Blog podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of those, you can track it down. Best place to find everything that we just talked about all in one central location is the Facebook page. Go to Facebook, uh, type in Heel Tough Blog, and you can pull it up right there. Uh, make sure that you like and follow the page, so that'll give you uh, notifications anytime that an article is posted. It'll go right onto your timeline. You'll be able to read all of the latest, listen to all of the latest, all in one spot. So that does it for this edition of the podcast. Again, want to thank Russell Brown for stopping by with us. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.